this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast with me amit barua your host for this episode russia's invasion of ukraine has not only shocked the world but shaken the foundations of the world order lakhs of refugees both ukrainian nationals and foreigners are trying to cross the country's borders to safety even as russian troops shell and bomb major cities russia's end game is not clear even as it faces the full wrath of the west sanctions and isolation are the order of the day what will the sanctions achieve when the west could not even bring myanmar and afghanistan to heel did russian president vladimir putin believe that the us and the rest of the west will acquiesce to turning ukraine into a client state to discuss all these questions i have with me Sayed Akbaruddin who was India's permanent representative to the United Nations and someone who follows global developments closely welcome to the hindus in focus podcast akbar thank you very much amit happy to be here with you akbar my first question to you how do you think this uh, russian aggression is going to play out amit um, if 10 days ago anybody had thought that the war or the conflict would have gone up so rapidly up the escalatory ladder uh, he would be termed a soothsayer so this is a new type of a situation that um, nobody anticipated would expand to areas that we haven't seen conflict expand to of course there is conflict on the ground but there is also new areas such as finance such as um uh, export controls um such as sanctions on um uh, uh, flights and travel and sports even and sports yes uh, so it has moved into areas uh, so rapidly that we never envisaged uh, so i would think that it's gone up a very fast escalatory ladder to come down it's going to take quite a lot of time because it's easy to climb up but to climb down for states is always a difficult situation whichever state is um, faced with such situation will take its own time uh, and things don't look like we are going to see a quick end to what has been a rapid escalation of this conflict so what you're saying is akbar that this is going to continue for a while and the world will have to uh, come to terms with this new situation in uh, russia and ukraine whether we like it or not while the conflict is in europe the reverberations of this conflict are global because it's not only a conflict on terra firma uh, it has the potential of uh, impacting on the world of finance the world of technology the world of information the world of sports as you said and uh, countries like us who are located far off but have interests uh, which are going to be impinged upon uh, are going to find it extremely difficult to balance uh, the situation and that hap- uh, is the case for many other countries whose interests are going to now need to be nuanced uh, need to be adjusted to the realities of what's happened in ukraine so are you saying that uh, russian president vladimir putin has bitten off more than he can chew 
I don't know whether it is more than he can chew, but certainly more than what was anticipated. I don't think uh, it was anticipated that so quickly uh, issues will spread into so many areas with repercussions of such a nature that it could distort economies, it could impede development, uh, it could have long-term impact on financial structures, uh, on investment patterns, on um, supply chains, etc., etc. I don't think anybody anticipated it, including President Putin. We've seen uh, sanctions before. Though, of course, it seems the virulence of those sanctions, uh, of the sanctions being imposed this time, uh, you know, are pretty serious, uh, including, you know, um, uh, Russia being banned from a lot of SWIFT trans uh, uh, transactions and also big oil companies exiting uh, huge investments in Russia. So you think these sanctions are going to be different? Are they going to beat Russia? Uh, are they going to bite Russia? Are they, are they going to uh, ensure that Russia will come to the negotiating table? and accept uh, some kind of dialogue process and an eventual ceasefire and some kind of agreement? So, uh, I'm certain that the Russians anticipated some element of the sanctions. So, they have insulated themselves in some way, especially their banks, because uh, they were anticipating that there would be restrictions, there would be unilateral measures, which will um, freeze some of their banking um, uh, assets uh, which will make it difficult for them to uh, uh, ex uh, trade with the world um, and so there is some insurance uh, already uh, built into the Russian position. Uh, also uh, these economic uh, elements of sanctions usually take a little longer uh, than immediate impact uh, which is of a debilitating nature. Uh, the Russian economy is not that resilient an economy that it can deglobalize uh, so rapidly. Um, for example, I heard today that Musk is not going to accept any containers from Russia. Uh, so, trade is going to be impacted. Um, airspace in Europe is totally shut down. In the US is totally shut down. So, air travel is going to be difficult. But all these have an impact which uh, builds it doesn't have an immediate impact. So, um, how long that will take is a matter uh, that uh, will be known as we go forward. But certainly, it will have an impact and that impact will be factored in into Russian decision making as they go forward in this. Uh, there are some leverages that the Russians have on the ground. There are some leverages that the others have in other areas. On the sanctions front, uh, uh, how will uh, this impact India, you think? Uh, we have a very robust uh, defense relationship with Russia. Uh, we are dependent on supplies uh, uh, from them. And we generally have had a very close strategic relationship. So how, how do you think it's going to impact uh, the relationship in India? So uh, these sanctions are not right now targeted towards India. However, uh, in the world of finance, uh, everything is interlinked. Also, uh, bankers always are conservative uh, people. Um, the most interesting example that we have these days is of the um, CEO of um, or the chief uh, uh, executive of Hong Kong, uh, Miss Lam. 
um, she is finding it difficult to get a bank in Hong Kong to put her salary in. So she is being paid in cash. So you can understand that how difficult bankers and other institutions who deal with finance are wary of uh, undermining established restrictions which are imposed by the US because much of the financial transactions are in dollar terms. Most banks are afraid and that will also happen in India uh, that our banks will always be worried about what will be the secondary impact of these sanctions. Uh, would it mean that uh, if we trade uh, with a Russian entity which is sanctioned, would we also be subject to those? Uh, this is not yet clear, but automatically there will be a caution. Automatically, uh, those who are in the uh, business of business will be more wary than otherwise. So, let's get prepared for this. Of course, there can be other means of uh, working out solutions. We have had this rupee-ruble agreement uh, in the past for purchases from Russia. So you think on the defense front, uh, something like that uh, could be worked out if the situation becomes more serious? So there are two ways. One is, of course, as you said, uh, the rupee-ruble, which is a form of a barter trade. Uh, you keep the rupees and the rubles and then you balance it out regularly. Also, all the banks are not sanctioned. So, for example, those banks which are dealing with the uh, energy supplies of Russia are still not sanctioned because energy uh, supplies are flowing to Europe and the Europeans are paying them in hard currency still. Um, maybe there are avenues through that. Uh, there could be multiple other avenues, but it they will only add to the cost of doing business. And businessmen generally like to keep the cost of doing business at a low level, but uh, there have been uh, examples in the past where we can work out arrangements. So, while there will be a dip, I don't think they will strangle our economic engagement because uh, given the ties that we have over decades, there are ways that can be worked out. It's going to be difficult. It's not a situation that uh, we would, uh, our businessmen would be happy about. Uh, it will add to the cost. And they will keep that in mind as they do business further. Uh, since we are speaking about India and Russia, uh, what is your sense of the position taken by the government of India uh, on the invasion of Ukraine by Russia? So our position has been one which is evolving. Initially, uh, in the first few instances when we made uh, statements at the United Nations, uh, these were largely bland statements of uh, promoting dialogue and diplomacy. Uh, they were very short ones. They did not, uh, were not nuanced. But as the situation evolved, uh, I think it's pretty clear that our position too has evolved. We are now talking of support for uh, abiding by territorial integrity um, uh, and sovereignty, uh, respect for international law. Uh, we are saying that uh, we regret uh, that diplomacy has failed which is implicitly saying that uh, diplomacy has failed and regret uh, for actions that Russia has taken. We also are saying we are disappointed uh, with the outbreak of hostilities, which again is a tacit uh, acceptance that who broke the, uh, who led to a uh, outbreak of hostilities. Uh, we have, now we have added a humanitarian element of assistance to it, 
So if you can see all these three, four, five things have been added in the last few days, uh, they are a nuanced way of indicating that India is not very happy with how the situation has evolved, yet it does not adopt a approach which is not in keeping with the trajectory of its own thinking on this. We are a country which adopts a non-condemnatory approach, but we are raising the um, issues which we are not comfortable with. For example, today um, we've again seen a reference by the Russian foreign minister to uh, nuclear issues. Now, again, this is not something that uh, something that we could uh, certainly comment about saying that this is not what needs to be referenced in any such situation. So, there are ways in which we have nuanced it. Perhaps there are other ways we can add to it and build a narrative which is different from the West but is not also fully supportive of the Soviet, uh, of the Russian Federation because uh, it's not a situation that we would be happy with. Right. Uh, Akbar, one other thing which I want to ask you about India is that how prepared do you think we were to bring back our students, especially from Ukraine? It's become a huge issue and uh, we know that at least two students have died, one directly due to uh, the, the hostilities and the other for medical reasons. So how prepared uh, do you think uh, we were uh, on this front, uh, especially since uh, US President uh, Joe, Joe Biden especially was openly warning of an uh, invasion days before it actually happened? So um, in such situations, um, decisions are always judgment calls. Uh, there is no set piece approach to these. It depends on the information flow and our assessment. India has a long tradition of being uh, extremely helpful to its citizens outside its borders. Uh, evacuations, etc. are not new to us. Um, it's uh, been a long-standing tradition going back to uh, the Kuwait uh, uh, evacuation where we evacuated more than 140,000 Indians when nobody thought that was possible. And you were involved in that process as well, weren't you? You're right. I was on the border uh, with with, uh, with Kuwait and it was such a difficult humanitarian situation because uh, people were scrambling for uh, bits of bread, uh, quenching their thirst in the desert. Each of them had to travel 1400 kilometers because the uh, air flights in Kuwait were stopped. So they had to uh, drive or hitchhike or do whatever uh, options are available. Uh, across Iraq into Jordan and then the flights were taking off from Jordan. Um, so it was an extremely difficult humanitarian situation, yet we managed. Um, so the intent is there, the experience is there and the uh, uh, now we also have the capabilities. Um, uh, in these situations, uh, going forward, I have no doubt that we will be able to overcome the difficult situation that our uh, nationals are in, but in zones of conflict, there is no absolute guarantee of safety. Uh, it, nobody, no country can provide that guarantee uh, because that's the nature of chaos in a conflict zone. So I'm saying that in terms of information, in terms of anticipation, and as you said, there's no set piece to this. And I'm also aware that it's not as if our embassies uh, in all countries are hugely staffed. So there are pressures on people as well and including the safety of our diplomatic personnel. 
But I'm saying in terms of anticipating what might have happened, do you think we could have done better? So um, I think we put out advisories. Uh, of course, um, uh, it's not um, a satisfactory situation when many of our nationals don't respond uh, forthwith. It takes time for them also to absorb the gravity of the situation. And uh, it's right that nobody anticipated that the gravity of the situation would escalate so quickly up the escalatory ladder. Uh, yes, the Americans were putting out for their nationals. Uh, but we've seen other situations where uh, this uh, has not, uh, they have not been able to assess that correctly. So, uh, as I said, it's a judgment call. I think we've done the best in the circumstances. Uh, I, I don't have uh, the full information at my disposal to make a judgment call because I think governments are best placed uh, in terms of the information available to them to make that call. Uh, individuals um, are only aware of part of the issue or part of the information. So uh, let's give them that benefit of doubt to uh, that they've do, they've done the best and they continue to do their best. Agur, we are also seeing a lot of disturbing videos coming from uh, bo Ukraine's borders where we see um, people of color, uh, people of uh, having a black skin or a brown skin who have been offloaded from trains, uh, who have been made to wait and, uh, you know, other people are being given priority. What do you make of this and how can India as a country deal with this kind of a situation? So you're right. In crisis situation, um, the worst of humankind sometimes comes into play. Uh, also, we see sometimes the best of humankind come into play. Um, that um, uh, racial discrimination is uh, just uh, below the surface among some is not new. And uh, it's a constant endeavor uh, to ensure that um, racial discrimination is not. Um, does not surface. You see every day Black Lives Matter, cricketers taking the, uh, the knee, uh, sportsmen uh, all over Europe when they play soccer, uh, they have been abused based on their color. So uh, that in Europe, there is a subterranean stream of discrimination is pretty evident to all of us. So how does the country deal with it in such a situation, Akbar? Uh, look, this is a social uh, issue that countries need to work to, uh, together. Uh, India can't deal by it by itself. Uh, it will have to be a uh, constant approach working with other like-minded countries uh, and people in those countries also in Europe who uh, uh, entirely agree with our position. It's a long-term thing. It's not going to uh, change uh, in a finite time frame because uh, deep-seated views uh, take generations to overcome. But we need to continuously take the lead in highlighting this uh, using all fora to promote a more um, uh, fair approach towards all human beings. It's a long-term thing, Amit. I don't think it's only about India. It's about a global concern that needs to be addressed globally. Akbar, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, statements uh, from the Russian president. Uh, they have been warning for many years uh, about expansion of NATO. 
they have also recognized uh, these two republics uh, inside the Ukrainian territory. So there have been a number of uh, statements, uh, you know, uh, and suggestions and uh, that uh, the Russian army is actually acting as a liberator and, and Putin gave a long speech uh, justifying this uh, some days ago. What do you think is the difference between what Russia has done in Ukraine and, say, what uh, the United States did in Iraq? So, this is a um, issue of um, uh, long-held Russian grievances, uh, which have been accumulating. So, the crisis today uh, is only a blowing up of a deep-seated concern which has been in the making for years. Uh, the Russian Federation and its grievances uh, may have a basis. I don't think that you can totally wish them off. But that said, solution to those grievances uh, cannot be on the basis of violating international law in such a manner. Uh, so I think uh, there uh, the Russian Federation has clearly taken a step too far in terms of legal requirements. It's the same thing that the Americans did uh, in um, Iraq uh, in the uh, belief that they were weapons of mass destruction where, where there were none. It left, uh, it's left a legacy which uh, hasn't yet been fully addressed and perhaps will never uh, be fully addressed in my lifetime, certainly, because it's left death and destruction there. Uh, and the Ukraine um, uh, effort is bound to lead to a quagmire, which uh, will take years uh, to address for the Russian Federation. Both had overstepped international law and consequences of both these steps are global. But we should not indulge in what about tree. Uh, what about tree of there is no equivalence of one, two wrongs don't make a right. So I don't think we need to uh, make a comparison of these two because both are clearly steps which are not uh, in conformity with the uh, international law, are a breach of international law, quite blatant breach at that. Akbar, tell us, uh, you know, we, we spoke about uh, the invasion of Iraq and now the invasion of Ukraine. But we also see a disturbing trend in international affairs where countries uh, tend to take, uh, you know, law and order in a sense into their own, own hands. And here I'm talking about the bombing of Yemen by Saudi Arabia and UAE. Does this send a signal to other countries also in the world that, you know, they can pretty much do whatever they feel like? And they don't need the United Nations or even a resolution uh, to take military action. So you're right that the world order is in a flux. Cooperation has given way to competition and even conflict. In such situations of flux, it's not unusual for states to maximize their uh, positions in whichever they, whichever way they feel would be the best way forward. So, I acknowledge that these are situations which are arising um, with regularity. Uh, it's not in one place or the other. There are plenty of such situations in uh, Africa, uh, in some parts of Asia. Uh, and uh, it's just a reflection of a deeper malaise that the global order 
uh, which was put in place in 1945 is now frayed it's not only frayed at its uh, periphery but is now uh, in need of a major redressal uh, and until that happens you will find much more of these situations happening with greater frequency you rightly said that uh, you know it was difficult to anticipate uh, you know what's actually happened now and uh, it's it's quite shocking and unbelievable in a sense but uh, you also use the word quagmire uh, in ukraine uh, does this mean that uh, you know with the close understanding between russia and china which is such a huge uh, dominating global economy and perhaps iran uh, are we going to see uh, some central asian republics are we going to see in a sense a, a severance of the world order something which we haven't seen uh, since the united nations was founded yes uh, there is increasingly talk of what is called decoupling uh, we may have two separate camps uh, functioning in with different set of norms however um, economically it will be a disaster because the globe as even though politically differences had remained uh, economically they were interlinkages which are going to be very hard to um, uh, tear as one group away totally from the other for example china and the us have extremely strong economic linkages uh, between wall street and china between the tech companies and china etc yet the drift clearly is that what we have seen in the last 5 or 6 days of how europe has reacted uh, to uh, in ways that we never thought was possible before uh, it clearly is indicative that this drift is only going to increase um, and uh, we may well have two options of everything in place uh, two options of technology two options of uh, finance uh, two options of um, uh, approaches to uh, uh, global solutions etc etc so it's clear unless these are redressed uh, early uh, we can see these cleavages only widen so if 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 that be the case uh, uh, and uh, you know uh, th there are other fears that a belligerent china uh, you know may take action on taiwan do you think that uh, you know uh, uh, given what has happened in ukraine uh, something like that is also a possibility now so the reverberations of U uh, europe or ukraine are global and nothing can be discarded after uh, what we've seen in europe uh, where the security structures and engagement uh, uh, options were far larger than elsewhere in the world and there's been a long history of engagement as well i mean in spite of the cold war and and everything else the us and russia have always engaged that's true as did europe and um, um, uh, russia too increasingly look at their energy engagement uh, look at their trade engagement they have were engaging in multiple ways but it did not stop uh, them from uh, having such sharp uh, cleavages that everything has come to a standstill so uh, if your question is that could such things be uh, again replicated uh, elsewhere uh, it's a distinct possibility uh, we hope it would not but uh, i think this needs to be 
much more closely examined because uh, uh, Ukraine changes everything. The world uh, will now, uh, there used to be a belief that when um, President Nixon went to, the, uh, uh, to China, it was the week that changed the world. Interestingly, it was 21st to 28th February, 1972. Around its 50th anniversary, 21st to 28th February, 2022, perhaps is now the new week that has changed the world. And everything will now be looked upon with how this week was handled or the larger period will be handled because it has repercussions on everything including uh, ways of life, uh, which we thought were those of a bygone era. Akbar, thank you so much uh, for talking to the Hindus in Focus podcast. Thank you very much, Amit. In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for in focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.